Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. But that's all right. You're there now, are we? We're there now. Yep. Are we? So we need three seasons to get this shit right and there we go. Shit we got right. it. We got it, we got it, we got it, we got it. Mimi dip and Hi, welcome, welcome back to Chickstory, the podcast about chicks in history. Yeah, welcome. Who are you? Oh, I'm Evie Jones. And I'm Annie Potaros. Potaros. That sounds nice, <laughs> like you're from Greece. Um, this is the History Chick podcast that you love. You do love and you tell all your friends about it and you, you tweet about it and you Instagram about it and yeah. you talk about it around the water cooler. Well, the yes. virtual water cooler because we're not allowed to be around a water yes. cooler if you're in Sydney, Melbourne. If you're in the other states, good on ya. Anyway, we're up to episode six today. Welcome to everyone listening. Thank you for being here. We appreciate you for being alive. We've got lots of chicks to talk about today. Let's get right into it. I want to talk about the women this week that have had a huge impact. Last week we talked about Afghanistan. Yeah. We can still talk about Afghanistan and what's going on. Nothing has changed for women mm, in mm. Afghanistan. The Taliban are now have suicide bombers, um, people trying to escape. It's getting worse for them. Please don't forget that this is going on in Afghanistan still and it will still, you know, as other news takes over, that will start to fall by mm, the wayside. Mm. And I think it's really important that we still um, talk about it. Still email your government yep. to take them in what's happening to them is absolutely atrocious so i think we the more we can take in the, the better i got an email back from my did you yeah my local member and who was like oh it's absolutely awful and you know we're we, we're trying to do things well, was like, it a canned response yeah or, yeah yeah it absolutely was so <laughs> i will um email that back and yes. saying, what are you doing now? Yeah. And that's what we need to do. Just reply again. Yeah. Keep the true. thread going in an email like mm. that. Like don't mm-hmm. just get – even though it's a generic response. Yeah. Yours doesn't have to be and it isn't because it can't be. Yeah. Keep the pressure on, you know. Keep the pressure on. Take the pressure on. And that's, that's your daily re- – weekly reminder to yeah. keep the pressure on. Just yeah. Just reply to that one email that you got back should you have emailed your local. Another awful thing <laughs> – yeah, that let's we can keep talk the, about the awful awfulness that, going. Yeah, I mean, the thing about women in history, it's a, a lot of it's awful. It, a lot of it is awful. And, you know, um, we try to keep as upbeat as possible because women are so incredibly inspiring. And that's the thing that we have to keep. Even though we talk about awful things that might be happening, um, there are always women out there who are fighting these awful atrocities in the world. You know, The Handmaid's Tale was written by Margaret Atwood who said even though her story and the characters are fictitious, mm. every single thing that happens to the women in there or um, happens by people in there, none of it 
was was fiction. Every single bit of it, she promised it's incredible, that it has it? happened or is still happening. Mm. What's mm. happening in Texas at the moment is straight out mm. of The Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. Mm. I did see a really interesting thing that said black women are really rolling their eyes going, happen, uh, you know, Handmaid's Tale is coming true. Try being a black woman in Texas. This has been our life. Yeah. You know, Handmaid's yeah. Tale has been our life. You, yes. you don't whitewash this. Yeah, you yeah, are yeah. whitewashing it simply because it's happening to white people as well now. Yeah. So the um, a new ban has come in called um, the Heart, Texas Heartbeat Act. And it's also known as the SB8. And it bans a woman from having a medical abortion once a fetal heartbeat is detected. This heartbeat can be detected as early as six weeks into a woman's pregnancy. This is really early. Mm-hmm. That's about two weeks after your missed period. So that's about a two week. You have about a fortnight to even know if you're pregnant. If you know at all, most yeah. women don't know they're pregnant um, if they're not on to their period um, absolutely yeah, regularly. Yeah, or if you just have irregular periods, yeah. like you get them every three days. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like me. Um, so at that early stage, ultrasound technology can detect an electric signal that's mm. known as a flutter, mm-hmm. but it may not also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's still known as just an embryo. It hasn't even become a fetus at that point. So that's mm-hmm. where that law um, kind of, couldn't go any further it would have if it it wanted to if it could it would have the law gives no exemption for women who are pregnant as the result of rape or incest absolutely atrocious that what makes this law the texas law unusual is that it's a civil law that allows a person to sue anyone who aids or abets an abortion beyond six weeks of pregnancy so that means that doctors nurses and family women's family um, even friends even an Uber driver who takes someone to a clinic, they are at risk of being fined ten thousand US dollars. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. So as a yeah. accomplice yes. to the crime. Yes. Yes. The woman herself can't be sued. Right. So critics of the law have described the fines as a bounty. Like the person who does yeah. sue who sues does not need to have any connection to the woman or live in Texas. Yet if they win, they will receive 10000 It's 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 like a, a game. Wait, so the Uber driver that drives the woman there mm-hmm. can sue that woman? No. No, he sued. can be sued. The woman can't be he sued. He can be sued. Right, yes. right, right. He can yeah, be sued for taking her there. He can be sued for taking her there so and what? then the person who sues gets $10,000. Exactly. If they win in court. Okay. Oh my god! So in, it's in an in essence, it's basically getting everyone but the woman mm. to be liable. So therefore, all the clinics are going to be closing down. Yeah, Uber drivers, if they see the address, they'll just say absolutely not. The clinics can stay open because they can say you can come in for um, an abortion, but it has to be before six weeks. Which takes us back to the beginning when a woman really doesn't know when no. she is pregnant before six weeks. It's um, a very rare thing. Yeah, and we all know what happens when you ban something. That's right. Well, that's the biggest thing is exactly that. Yeah. Before we had legal abortion, mm. women women have been doing abortion since women were alive. Yeah. It's just never been safe. 
Yeah. And then it became safe, really safe. But mm. this bill does not in any way affect the inseminator. No. Nope. Even nope. though they were there the entire time that yep. pregnancy was um, taking place. It has absolutely no- nothing to do with them. So that's happening. Mm. Now, something that I find really interesting and something that we talked about last year was R- Ruth Bader Ginsburg's yep. death. Yes. And how when she died, her seat was taken in the Supreme Court really quickly because of Trump. Yep. Everyone said at the time this could be absolutely catastrophic for bills like abortion and gay rights. Yep. So not even a year on, we are seeing exactly what's happening. So Mitch McConnell of Kentucky, if it weren't for the Senate minority leader's procedural manoeuvring and willingness to break with long-standing Senate precedent... This week's abortion ruling would almost have certainly gone another way. It was McConnell in 2016 Mm -hmm. who blocked Democrats from filling the seat of the late conservative Justice Antonin Scalia for nearly a full year in 2016, allowing Donald Trump to make the pick instead. McConnell also scrapped the Senate rule that required a 60-vote majority to confirm Trump's pick circumventing Democratic attempts to block Trump's nominee. Then, when Liberal Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg died last October, McConnell flipped from his 2016 position of not filling Supreme Court openings during an election year and used his Senate Republican majority to seat another Trump pick. Yeah, exactly. And that's how we got Anthony Kennedy. They got Anthony Kennedy. How can that happen? How does yeah. that happen? It's all loopholes and yeah. capitalism and patriot <laughs> stuff. <laughs> so it's it's really awful what's happening over there and we can't do anything about it. You know what mm. about that actual bill that's really frightening to me? What? Majority of Texas supports it. Yeah, that is frightening. I remember having an abortion in 1990. And I was in Sydney, mm. so I went to the Central Station one, just mm-hmm. in Surrey Hills there. And the room was filled, the waiting room. So we all chatted all day long because you're kind of there yeah. waiting for this and then you have to wait after that and, you know, mm-hmm. you get to know everyone that's in the room with you. Um, a lot of them were from Queensland because you can't, couldn't get one up there. Yeah. You know, we have lived in a time where you have to go out interstate to, to do it, you know, to travel that far. Yeah. But this mm-hmm. is a country, like I posted something yesterday that said this is a country that are yelling at the Taliban to respect women. So what? Oh, just take a, take a mirror to bed and wake up to yourself, oh, people. That's a good one. If you are loving this podcast, why don't you rate and review us? That's it. Also follow us now. I think it's called follow. It's not subscribe yeah. anymore. There's a little plus button. Just yeah. push it. Follow us and you'll get a little tick and we'll be like, there you go, followed. Yeah, Boom, give us done. five stars. Also, you can follow us on Instagram. We're at chickstery underscore podcast. And we're also now on TikTok because that's what all the cool kids are doing. Yeah. At chickstery podcast. ratchet. <laughs> you know how we always talk about what we've watched? This yep. Week, this week. And mostly it's watched. murder. Yeah, 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 yeah. So For I me. have an idea. Do you? 
I've just seen something that has just started on SBS. Mm -hmm. So I thought maybe we could start watching something together and discuss it next week. Great idea. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, good. Let's do it. Because I found a really good one about chicks in history. Did you? The first two episodes are out on SBS. Awesome. So why don't we all start watching it and... If you guys want to let us know what you think, we'll um, discuss it next week. Yeah, I like this idea. Yeah? Yeah. But if anyone does want to hear any uh, murder recommendations, just DM me. Yeah, just DM. DM. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so this is called How It Feels to be Free. It's on SBS On Demand. Mm -hmm. Episodes one and two are out already. Excellent. So this is based on the book How It Feels to be Free. Um, Black Women Entertainers and the Civil Rights Movement by Ruth Feldstein. And it's also a Ella Fitzgerald lyric. No, Nina Simone. Wow. Yeah. How does it go? What it feels like to be... <laughs> that's that's what it feels like to be a, a girl, which what is the Madonna like version. <laughs> for a girl. For a girl. Do you want me to play it? Yeah, please. documentary and I think we're going to really really love it it's based on six black women who have harnessed their celebrity to change history advance oh, cool. the civil rights movement and reshape the narrative of black female identity in Hollywood I bet you Alicia Keys has got something to do with it I've got to hope so maybe she's producing it it's about six trailblazing performers um, including Lena Horne and Nina Simone yeah. who we love we just yes. played a little bit of Lena Mm-hmm. And we didn't play Lena. <laughs> we didn't play, play Lena, but look so, her up. Anyway, yes. Um, we, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, same. I'm going to, well, you know, we've got a bit of time on our hands. A little bit of time. When we're in lockdown, it's brilliant to have all these kind of things. When we come yeah. in lockdown, where everyone's going to be like, I haven't got time anymore. No, I know, but we can educate ourselves. That's and that's right. great. That, um, yep, love it. Putting it on the list. Mm. Watching it, and um, because you know it's all that um, names that you've heard of, but you know probably didn't know the story of how those women have have had to probably, you know, fight the system a, a for being a woman, yeah, and then and b be because of the colour of their skin. So who have we got for a chicken history this week? Well, funny you should mention uh, women of colour. And also whitewashing because I've got – I found a woman in history that you probably have never heard of but have you heard of Florence Nightingale? Yeah, I definitely have heard of her. Yeah. White yeah. Woman. Have you heard of Mary Seacole? Mm-mm. No. Yeah, didn't. Oh, don't tell me didn't that she's so. the original and we've whitewashed it and made Florence. Well, listen on. So, yeah. Anyway, here we go. Strap in. <laughs> Another fucking story about a woman. Uh, yeah. It's 
been forgotten in history. Uh, so Mary was born in 1805 in Jamaica. Right. Now, fun fact about Jamaica, the history of Jamaica. Yeah. One, every time I hear Jamaica, I think of a cocktail. Yeah. Aruba, Jamaica, ooh, I want to take you to Bermuda, Bermuda, Bahama, come on pretty mama, Key Largo, Montego, baby why don't we go up the Florida Keys? (laughs) Yeah, so there's that fun fact and there's also the fun fact that, well not fun, um, the English actually captured Jamaica from the Spanish in 1655 and um, because of sugar, it was all over sugar. The production of sugar. Sugar, sugar, sugar. The white stuff. Yeah, the leading commodity um, for Britain at the time. And um, Jamaica became independent from the United Kingdom in 1962, but it remains a member of the Commonwealth. Yeah. Yeah. They're still in our um, Commonwealth Games. Games, yeah. They are. So uh, when Mary was young, growing up in Jamaica, she began experimenting in medicine based on what she'd learned from her mother. Her mother had the nickname of the Doctress. Right. So she was like the witch, the, the what do they call those? The witch like doctor. Like a witch doctor, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, she was a healer and she used traditional Caribbean and African herbal medicines to right. treat the sick. Uh, Mary first started pretending on her dolls. She would administer... Um, yeah. medications and treatments on her dolls. Then she progressed to pets. Yep. And then she started helping her mother treat humans. Wow. Uh, so at the time, the West Indies were the source of um, destination for a third of Britain's foreign trade. So this meant there were a lot of military presence in the region because Britain were big on protecting their shit. Oh, I bet they were. Um, so to give you an idea, there were 69 line infantry regiments between 19, uh, 1793 and 1801 and another 24 between 1803 and 1815. So a line, um, line infantry is, is like what you see in the old war movies when they're all, they all form a line and they, and they either are protecting or charging. Right. So 69 of those. So he, uh, heaps. He, a lot of yeah. British troops. Um, and these poor British troops, they weren't prepared for the tropics, bless oh, them. Oh, yeah. Uh, and a lot of them got sick from tropical diseases. Yeah, That their malaria, bodies were like, what the what? fever, all of those kind of things. Yeah. Just so, the mosquitoes yeah, biting totally, them. Yeah, totally, totally. So the British, there were a lot of British at the, at, um, at the I time. I say, Governor, I don't feel good at all. At uh, this heat, I tell you right now, I'm thinking of old England. I wouldn't I'm mind taking a turn. I'm taking a turn. My skin is just positively moist. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so the so the British actually chose though to go to European doctors um, because they trusted European doctors and yeah. they looked at the Jamaican. And locals they and they were like, "What? The, nah, I'm going to go to." They know what to do. But right. the, the European doctors would have not known anything about these No, climates. and the European doctors were using really, you know, horrible things like, you know, when they did bloodletting yep. and like all of that stuff because they didn't know what else to do. They were just like, well, let's just let's do just what we would do them. at home. Yeah, and yeah. see what happens and let it bleed out of them. Jeez. So a lot of – a lot of there were lots of, you know, dire consequences for a lot of the British and um, they started to cotton on that um, – Hang on a second. 
the local population, the Jamaicans, weren't getting sick, as, as sick yeah. as them. And they were like, well, what are you guys knowing? What are you doing that yeah. we're not doing? So many uh, of the British military soon cottoned on and they started to request to be treated by the Jamaican doctresses. So Mary began working more closely alongside her mother and she was learning kind of all the tricks of the trade. She'd occasionally be called to provide nursing assistance at the British Army hospitals. She travelled to the Caribbean visiting the Bahamas, Cuba, Haiti, um, treating patients with her mum. So she got really freaking good at it. Um, During this time, the late 18th century and early 19th century, neonatal deaths were more than a quarter of total births. However, Mary, using her traditional West African herbal remedies and hygienic practices, Mm. boasted that she never lost a mother or a child. Wow. That's big then if it was a quarter of the deaths. Right. Huge. So uh, during 1843 to uh, 1844, things go a bit shit for Mary and her family's house and Um, which is actually their business as well. It's a boarding house that her mum would run and where they used to often treat patients as well, um, is burned to the ground. Although they soon rebuild it, but then after that her husband dies and closely followed by her mother. So oh, she's having a bit so of a, a whole shit time. Juju going on here, Mary. Yeah. <laughs> what have you done? So after a period of grief, she takes on the management of the boarding house after her mum's died yeah. and her husband's died. She's like, right. And nothing else to do. She, yeah, she puts her rabbit rapid she puts her rapid recovery from grief down to her Creole blood. Um, she absorbs herself in her work uh, and she reje- rejects many offers of marriage and she starts to develop a bit of a name for herself amongst the military, um, the European military, who often would come to stay at the boarding house. And if anyone got sick, she would just treat them and they were just like, who is this woman? She's amazing. In 1850, the cholera epidemic hits Jamaica and 32,000 Jamaicans die. Mary treats and nurses many, many ill patients. She uses nursing skills that she'd learnt from her mother, including the use of hygiene, ventilation, warmth, hydration, rest, empathy, good nutrition and care. So this thing about hygiene was like a lot of people say that Florence Nightingale kind of developed this sense of like using hygiene and everything should be hygienic and we should disinfect things and sterilise things. But um, that may have come from little old Mary. Mm. Uh, Anyway, she Because doctors... Never washed their hands. And Never washed their hands. for centuries. Never washed anything. Didn't practice hygiene. They didn't. And they would be, if anyone suggested that they should wash their hands or that the deaths from going from a cadaver to a bir- giving birth mm. procedure mm. M- might have something to do with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. they would, think? They would be offended and say, I have gentlemen's hands. Yeah. And gentlemen's hands are like God. So, I mean, so that was one of Mary's... Pillars was mm. hygiene. Simple, right? Duh. Duh. Um, she goes to join her half brother in Panama. He's just opened a hotel. Oh, and yeah. by that time, the disease has spread to Panama. Yeah. She's there when patient zero is announced in Panama and she's called to treat on the Panamanians. Mm-hmm. Panamanians? I don't know. Panamanians? Panamanians. I just made that up. I'm not even sure. Panamanians. Panamanians. (laughs) I like it. People Um, from Panama. Yeah. She charged the rich patients, but she treated the poor for free. Instead of 
treating patients with opium, which was quite popular at mm. the time, uh, by European doctors, she preferred mustard rubs and poultices. Poultice. Yep. A poultice, mm-hmm. which, for those who don't know, is a soft, moist mass often heated and medicated that is spread on cloth and placed over the skin to treat an aching inflamed or painful part of the body she also used laxatives sugars of lead and rehydration with water boiled with cinnamon Mm. Um, so she pretty much single-handedly treated the whole of panama wow and the only other assistance was sent by the um the panama government and the Roman Catholic Church. And Mary described him as an inexperienced little dentist. Yeah, he sounds like it. He would have been an ex- inexperienced little dentist. An inexperienced little. little. Imagine a shiny a little man. Jamaican woman saying that. Exactly. We're right? all imagining Burn. It right now. So she was obsessed with finding out more about these diseases. And so she performs her own autopsy on a child who had died yeah. to give her some more useful information and knowledge that she would need to be able to then keep treating. Yeah. Um, at the end of the uh, epidemic, she also contracted cholera herself, yeah. and um, but she recovered. She used her own things on herself and oh, yeah. she recovered. She brought Brilliant. herself back after several weeks of rest. So she decides to stay in Panama. Um, she sees a business opportunity there because it's the main route between the coasts of the United States. Mm. And she opens up her own hotel. It's a part restaurant, part hotel, part general store. And even she hires a barber wow. at one point as well. It consists of only two rooms. The smaller one is her bedroom and the larger one can serve up to 50 diners. So she stays there. She has this little business going. It's all good. And in late 1852, she travels back to Jamaica and she's asked by the Jamaican medical authorities to help treat yellow fever which had just broken out right and she's asked to provide nursing care to victims Um, however this epidemic was so severe there was little that she could really do to help so what's yellow fever I'm just gonna look that up Um, in most cases symptoms include cheap I did it again uh, symptoms include fever, chills, loss of appetite, nausea, muscle pains, particularly in the back, and headaches. Oh. In about 15% of people, they get yellow skin because of their liver being oh. affected. And it is spread by the bite of an infected mosquito. So she returns to Panama in early 1854 and she sees a newspaper article of the escalating Crimean War. So the Crimean War started in October 1853 and lasted three years. It was fought between the Russian Empire and an alliance of the United Kingdom, France, the Kingdom of Sardinia and the Ottoman Empire. When the Ottomans get involved, that's big. big. The Ottoman Empire was huge. Yeah, the majority of the conflict took place on the Crimean Peninsula in the Black Sea and Turkey. Okay, is Crimea still a place? Yes, Crimea is still a place. It is a peninsula along the northern coast of the Black Sea in Eastern Europe. Eastern Europe. Okay. Is it safe to visit? Wait. No, it's not. It's not? No. Due to arbitrary detentions and other abuses by Russian occupation authorities. Whoa. Strike that off the travel list after COVID. I won't be getting the uh, Kentucky there. (laughs) Or for our age group, it's more 
fair. No. What was it that it was Kentucky for younger people? The older people did 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 the bus tours as well, and theirs was some. God, see, it's been so long since we travelled. Yeah, that's right. I've completely forgotten what they. Oh God. Okay, so um, okay, so many thousands of troops from all. Uh, the countries involved were dra- drafted to the area and disease broke out almost immediately. Hundreds perished, mostly from cholera. We're getting a good education in our um, yeah. in our diseases. Diseases. Mm. So hundreds uh, more would die waiting to be shipped out or on the voyage. Um, their I'm prospects... around that. I know. Um, their prospects weren't much better when they arrived. The Um, poorly staffed unsanitary and overcrowded hospitals were the only medical provisions for the wounded and so many many died Mm. so meanwhile in britain the secretary of state for war approaches florence nightingale to form a group of nurses to be sent to hospitals in turkey Um, interviews were quickly held suitable candidates selected and nightingale left for turkey on the 21st of october Determined to travel to England to volunteer as a nurse, Mary applied to join the second contingent of nurses under Nightingale's watch, and she's rejected without reason. She then applies to the war office and other government offices, but she's told arrangements for departure were already underway. She then applies to the Crimean Fund, which is a fund raised by public subscription to support the wounded in Crimea, for sponsorship to travel there. But again, she's met with refusal. She starts to question whether racism was a factor in her being turned down. I wonder if it was, Mary. I don't know. She wrote in her autobiography, Was it possible that American prejudices against colour had some root here? Did these ladies shrink from accepting my aid because my blood flowed beneath a somewhat duskier skin than theirs wow such a wordsworth and she goes on to say once again i tried and had an interview this time with one of miss nightingale's companions she gave me the same reply and i read in her face the fact that had there been a vacancy i should not have been chosen to fill it wow This, however, didn't stop her. She decides to approach the wife of the Secretary of State. Mm -hmm. But she too tells her that the full complement of nurses had been secured. God, what? It's just how many times people have not been able to help the world because of the way they look. Yeah. The world would be so much better off. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If we actually employed people of merit. And she had so much to give. So much to give. So much education. Mm. Now, apparently, old Flo, mm. which we'll call her, mm. she uh, reportedly wrote, um, I had the greatest difficulty in repelling Mrs. C. Cole's advances and in preventing association between her and my nurses. It was absolutely out of the question. What? Anyone who employs Mrs. Seacole will introduce much drunkenness <gasps> and improper conduct. York. Which was all bullshit. What a lot, crock of bull. That's awful. Isn't it? So it to even tarnish a, her a little Florence Nightingale was just a racist shithead. Right? At the end of the day. Yeah, I'm surprised. You don't hear that story. No, we should. Anyway, I mean, you're yeah, sister now. for sister, but Jesus, yeah, come but on. Jesus. 
Um, so, but Mary says, fuck you all. Mm. I'm going to travel on my own and I'm going to open up my own little hotel called the British Hotel. Yep. She prints business cards. Oh, yep. Vista print. Vista print, which is totally says this is official. If you've got a business card, it's like, she means business. Still to this day. Yeah, she has them sent ahead to announce her intention to open an establishment to be called the British Hotel. She's kick-ass. Yeah, which would be a mess table and comfortable quarters for the sick and convalescent officers. She hooks up with an acquaintance. They um, form a bit of a partnership. It's another dude, whatever, not important. Um, They assemble stock and supplies. They jump on a boat. They um, basically head out to go to the hospital that Florence Nightingale is at and surprise her. And turn Hello, up. Surprise. They turn up and they're like, hey, sister, I'm here. Hey, bitches. Thought you remember could get me. rid of me. <laughs> Thought you saw the last of me. Well, you didn't. Yeah. She's like Litany. She's like, hey. hey. <laughs> Bachelor in Paradise season three is still here. <laughs> um, still single. Yeah, and then Florence kind of turns, you know, changes her tone and she's like, oh, what can I do for you? And she's like, well, I, I just need a bed for tonight and then, I'm, and then I'll be out of your hair. Yeah. But she wanted to show her that she was there. Yeah, good. And, you know, but she's, she's like, I don't got- need you. I don't need your f- stupid hospital yeah, and I, I don't, don't need your stupid nurses. I'll create my own, thanks. So she literally builds her hotel from scratch she salvages mm. driftwood packing cases iron sheets oh so she um, actually built the building yes she builds the building um she used abandoned metal and wood wow. um she starts collecting it with a view of using all this debris to build her hotel oh, and um she goes and gets she salvages glass doors window frames um and she hires local labor and the British Hotel opens on March in March 1855 at the total cost of £800. Wow. Uh, a special correspondent to the Times wrote that she's a warm and successful physician who doctors and cures all manner of men with extraordinary success. She's always in attendance near the battlefield to aid the wounded and has earned many a poor fellow's blessing. Day after day... In the rain and the snow, she would, and storms, she would go and set up her self-chosen post Mm. with a stove and a kettle and Mm. she would brew tea for anyone who wanted it. Some days she'd have up to 200 soldiers come by. Um, She'd also have bandages, needles and tend to their wounds basically Mm. on the battlefield. Wow. So peace talks start and the war's coming to an end uh, and the evacuation of the Allied armies were formally completed on the 9th of July 1856 and Mary was one of the last person to, to, leave. to leave. She would be. At the end of the war, she returns to England um, destitute. She has no money left. She's, she's basically... Taking care of everyone else. She's declared bankrupt. Uh, on the 7th of November, 1856. Mm. Um, Now, a lot of historians say that Mary's experience far outstripped Nightingale's and that her work compromised of preparing medicines, diagnosis and minor surgeries. Um, These doctresses of Jamaica practiced hygiene long before Nightingale adopted it as one of her key reforms in her book, Notes on Nursing, 1859. 
it's possible that Nightingale learned about the value of hygiene in nursing from practices that Mary had done. She died on the 14th of May, 1881. More than a century after her death, she was awarded the Jamaican Order of Merit in 1991. In 2004, there was a list that was compiled called the 100 Great Black Britons. Guess where she came on that list? Tenth. First. First. Great. She Good. topped the list. She should. She should. I was surprised. But she, I... She should have. There's a biopic uh, feature film being made about her. Being made? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Uh, and this is just a final little quote. Mary Seacole, who did as much in the Crimea as another magic lamping lady, mm. but being dark could scarce be seen for the flame of Florence's candle. Wow. Can't wait for the biopic. Isn't she amazing? She is amazing. You know what's made me think? Um, we started this podcast because... Basically, there's so many women in history who it's been rewritten by mm. men. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, with that old saying behind every successful man, there is a woman. I really feel like even the women that we've spoken about on our podcast that are white. Yeah. There's probably a black woman behind that's already done it. Right. That we don't know about. Yes, absolutely. Men rewrite history to make them look good and... They've rewritten history to make women look good in their eyes yeah. as well. Yeah. If they get written about at all. I know. Like, have you ever heard of Florence Nightingale's work being inspired by a Creole woman? No. Never. No. <laughs> I can imagine a lot of white women's. You know, when we talked about Queen um, Mary, who brought inoculation back from oh, Turkey? Oh, yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah, but she yep. never said she didn't. Yeah. But she was never credited. Yeah. No. With anything. And the Turkish women weren't credited with anything. Oh, of course not. It was that bloke. Yeah. And and not relying on, you know, centuries and centuries of like of wisdom and herbal knowledge and, you yeah. know, all these things that we could tap into. I mean, we do it we do it to our own indigenous people in this yeah, country we as well, you know. God, imagine what we could learn oh. about their medicine. Their medicine. Jesus. Yeah, so just remarkable, you know, and all of those um, living in that time with all those bloody epidemics and plagues yeah. and pandemics and we're yeah. living through one There's now. Been, we're in a pandemic now and they were in a pandemic then. I know. So it was yellow fever then and there was the cholera. So it got me thinking, um, why don't we do a little special episode next week where mm. we focus on women who through our history have really been integral throughout pandemics yeah. epidemics yeah. and also women today who you know there's a bunch of women who have been you know on the forefront yeah. of the vaccine yeah um we follow them discovery exactly yeah we can do some shout outs next week why yeah. don't we do a special episode next week that's a great idea well, okay well that's this week's episode done thanks for listening we'll see you next week 